G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, like to check in with Family Voice Australia. Greg Bondar is the State Director for New South Wales and the ACT for Family Voice Australia. Greg, special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Delighted to be on again. Hey, Greg, some elections coming up and one in the ACT, one in Queensland. And you're saying, while even like pre-polling starts quite early, it's not like, you know, when you've got uh, a state election these days, uh, 31st of October for Queenslanders, uh, the the fact that people can start pre-poll voting and postal voting way before means that uh, lots of issues are needing to be talked about early. Uh, you've got some questions uh, that you think are relevant for asking candidates. Uh, take us into what your thoughts are. Yeah, thank you, Neil. Look, uh, I should make the point that one of the best times for any uh, individual, any organisation to influence uh, policy in government is prior to an election, Neil. And we know that in Queensland, for example, uh, uh, you, sh- you shifted to a four-year term uh, back in 2016, so that means the next election, of course, is October 31st. Now, interestingly, there are 93 electorates in uh, in Queensland. Um, the nominations will close on the 19th of October. So what Family Voice has done is we've actually written, or going to write, uh, once the, the nominations close on the 19th of October, to every candidate, and I'm urging all your listeners to do the same, and there are three questions we're going to ask them, Neil, uh, which are critical uh, in the lead-up to these elections. Because the problem we find with elections is everyone tends to talk about economic issues, but they forget the moral and they forget the ethical issues because nobody wants to address them. So here are the three questions we're going to ask now. Okay. And basically, number one will be, as a candidate, will you support to legalise voluntary euthanasia? Now, currently, Anastasia Palaszczuk has done a very... Shifty deal. She's moved it to a committee, the Queensland Law, uh, Law Reform Commission, uh, for their consideration. But the results won't be available till after the election. So we need to ask the candidates: Will you support to legalise voluntary euthanasia? Uh, we need to know what they're saying. The uh, just question, before we move on yeah, from that, yeah. uh, Greg, I mean, yeah. is uh, are we uh, are we sure that the Labor Party? in Queensland, has this a part of their election platform, that they are going to introduce legislation that moves towards voluntary euthanasia? Are you uh, are, are you sure that's yep. in their platform? I know that has yeah. been talked about widely as being a part of what uh, Labor in Queensland wants to move towards, given what's happened in Victoria, yeah. what's happened in WA. One might assume that that's a part of what the Queensland uh, outfit is all about. Are you, are yeah. you aware, aware of that? That's very interesting. Now, look, yes, we are. Let me give you two instances. First of all, the fact that Anastasia Palaszczuk has now put it to the Queensland Law Reform Commission indicates by stealth that she's going to introduce 
and legalise voluntary euthanasia, which we're totally opposed to, of course. So what we're saying here is that, yes, it's part of their platform agenda. Secondly, when I, when I spoke to the ALP, they said, we won't release our policies till closer to the election, which indicates to me they don't want to commit to actually putting it in writing. But generally speaking, if this bill has already been introduced by the Labor-dominated government in Queensland, it seems to me that they will legalise uh, voluntary euthanasia after the election now. Yes, well, uh, it was defeated, as I recall, I think last year, and that's when they uh, manoeuvred that, as you say, and mm. a little bit by stealth uh, to the Queensland Law Reform Commission, who have that sort of responsibility of yeah. refining the legislation so that it would become more acceptable. And uh, so, yes, so uh, that's one to ask your candidate in the state of Queensland ahead of the election, and better to ask that sooner rather than leave that too late. Uh, there's two, two more questions. What are those ones? Yeah, the other ones that they need to ask is currently, as you know, uh, Queensland has already uh, legalised, uh, well, uh, uh, um, introduced a bill, uh, Neil, that says that conversion therapies, you cannot, as a father, healthcare worker, mother, or whatever case uh, is, is put before you, you cannot interfere with a child's choice of saying, I want to be a, a male even though I'm a female, or I want to be a female if I'm a male. So the current bill, the Health Legislation Amendment Bill of 2019, in particular Chapter 5B, talks about conversion therapies. We want to know if, if, if there should be a private member's bill to repeal or to amend this act, would they support that private member's bill? In other words, we're looking for somebody to say, this bill has to change. Uh, so that's the second question we need to yeah, ask. And uh, just uh, just uh, let's dwell on this for just for a moment because yep. the Queensland legislation's already passed. Yep. And uh, you're also responsible for those uh, issues when it comes to ACT uh, because you're New South Wales yep. State Director and ACT uh, Director for Family Voice Australia and they've got a... Uh, election coming up in the ACT as well. Is the same question to yep. be asked there because they've also passed this legislation, almost rushing this through ahead yep. of elections. And in Queensland, a softer version, uh, but a hardline version in ACT. Uh, so mm. in both those elections that are coming up, uh, listeners uh, to ask candidates uh, about their position on that because that'll be important because uh, we'd recognise and we won't get into all of the controversy today but we've unpacked this a number of times on yeah. 2020. Uh, let's go to the third one. Let's yeah. Just on that, Neil, I think it's critical that, that, that your listeners understand that there are criminal penalties, jail time. And we had a webinar on Monday night and I had three uh, three politicians from the ACT where we spoke about this bill and a of them said that they will take action to repeal the bill if they have the majority. So it's interesting that we, we know that there are people out there that will put in uh, private members' bill to oppose this because there are criminal penalties which people are not aware of. Yes, and, um, and so you'd actually be yeah. saving parents uh, potential yeah. jail time. Uh, for having that influence over their own children. <laughs> That's the big, big issue at hand here, the parent rights uh, to be able to help shape their child's identity. Uh, the third question. Absolutely. Yep, the third question, again, to do with uh, parental responsibilities and what have you... Is it the, the, currently in Queensland, there's a review on, 
and it's a criminal code consent and mistake of fact and other legislation amendment bill 2020 i know it sounds complicated neil but essentially within that review of of that bill there are four items that talk about gambling and we have put in a submission to that uh, review in the Queensland Government and we've actually put out a press release to say the Queensland Government needs to get tough on gambling. In other words, we've asked the Government, if you're reviewing this bill, please make sure that there is a limit on online gambling advertisements that appear nightly on, on, on the news hour between 6 and 7pm, but not only that, make sure that gambling providers cannot issue to minors and to, to children, uh, free betting opportunities or, 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 you know, provide credit for them to, to gamble because they'll get hooked. So here is a real opportunity for every listener, every voter to say to the government, we want to get tough on online gambling. So there's a sense here, whenever we see those ads on television uh, that are advertising online gambling opportunities and they make mm. it sound so much fun, uh, but uh, technically here, as a parent, and your children are exposed to that in uh, viewing times when young children and uh, children, teenagers, everyone's going to be watching, uh, these are like predatory advertisements that soften up your family for potential uh, online gambling addictions. And uh, that can ruin a whole life. So, yes, a, a relevant uh, question to be able to ask uh, our legislators. Um, Neil, I just got an email. Sorry, Neil, I just got an email on 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 Monday, and it totally surprised me from a gambling provider saying you have been awarded twenty free credits. Well, I didn't ask for that. So imagine if the kids are getting all these. Exactly. We've got to get tough on gambling, Neil. Okay, let's move on to something else here because churches around Australia and those churches in states where there's little impact from coronavirus health issue-wise have made a good comeback and people have come back to church and maybe not in full numbers yet, but they are allowed to open and people are coming back. But in Melbourne... Uh, perhaps throughout Victoria, there's a long road back to church. What are your thoughts around what's happening here? Yeah, look, this is real disturbing news, Neil. I've spoken to some of my colleagues in uh, Victoria and Melbourne, and I have to tell you that Daniel Andrews' um, uh, roadmap is, is about as useful as shutting the gate after the bulls got out, you know. It, it is absolutely useless. And what happening? what's happening really, Neil, is that the churches down there, for example, one particular pastor down there um, from a Baptist church said he, he has not met his congregation for over six months. Mm. And every indication will be that the reopening of churches in Victoria, Melbourne, will be, will be going into at least 2021. And it's amazing that these restrictions are still there. Now, this has real implications for pastors and for the church as a whole in Australia, in particular Melbourne, of course. Now, Okay, so there is the very real possibility that uh, hundreds of churches may not survive. And we're talking uh, pure economic terms here because if people are not uh, connected to their church, uh, clearly they're not going to give a financial commitment to that church either. So uh, there's some uh, there's some research that's come out of the United States you've been uh, yeah. addressing. Uh, something like one in five churches in the United States won't make it. Uh, what are your thoughts around yeah. that research? 
And that's what I was sharing with my colleagues in uh, Melbourne, uh, Victoria, because one in five are not going to make it. Now, the data, current data, the predictions seem to indicate that this, this, this is going to become reality. Um, and as you well know, uh, for Victoria, the Prime Minister and uh, Josh Frydenberg and even the Health Minister Greg Hunt wrote to Daniel Andrews to say, look, reopen our economy uh, and restore liberties to for all Australians, in particular Melbourne. Now, if we apply that appeal to what's happening in terms of the data from, from the US uh, based on, on, on research, it indicates, Neil, that one in five churches will not survive. And secondly, the digital church is here to stay, which means that uh, former in-person attendees are now, now going to become what's called digital-only attendees. So we really, Neil, need to pray for our brothers uh, and sisters in, in, in Christ in Melbourne, if they're running a church, that they can actually get back and reopen when the time is right. Well, we'd all appreciate that digital church is a wonderful connecting point. <laughs> and as a short-term connection to your local church, it's so, so powerful. And, uh, you know, some of us will be saying it's thrilling to know that the digital church is here to stay. But uh, we know that it is like a bridge because those personal face-to-face developing relationships that happen in church life are a powerful part of our discipleship, a powerful part about how we get to be a part of the ongoing mission, uh, bringing the kingdom of God. So so we do want to see those things restored, don't we? Absolutely. In Hebrews 10.25, Neil, let us not stop meeting together. So it's critical that churches get back. But under the Daniel Andrews plan, they're going to be prohibited from getting back till 2021. Now, that's sad for our faith, sad for the churches, and, of course, for the economy of, of Victoria and Melbourne. Okay, and uh, just uh, let me just uh, ask you on a, on a brief note here, but uh, yeah. there's a significant milestone that's happened this week, and uh, the Reverend the Honourable Fred Nile uh, in New South yeah. Wales, uh, he's passed another birthday milestone. He was born on the 15th of September, 1934. Yeah. Uh, friend of yours and, in fact, yeah. uh, has history with the foundation of Family Voice Australia. So uh, your honouring yeah. of Fred Nile. Give us some insights yeah, here. Look, thank you very much, uh, uh, Neil, because, you see, Fred, of course, is often referred to as the father of New South Wales Parliament. He is the longest-serving member of the New South Wales Parliament starting in 1981. Now, I've worked for Fred. I've had social times with Fred, but he really is a man after God's own heart. Uh, he, he goes out there and he's, been, he's often described himself uh, in particular as a, uh, as a moral crusader, a pastor-turned-politician. Now, he comes from humble background. Um, you know, his father was a taxi, a taxi driver, um, uh, and he, he, bought, he was brought up in a very un, unsavoury uh, environment in King's Cross in Sydney at the time. So Fred has really, he's gone through, he's gone through military service. He's, he's actually very much part of the, uh, the, the faith growth here in Australia, being part of the Billy, Gre- Billy Graham crusade back in 1968. Um, he actually started off, Festival of Light, which is now, of course, Family Voice Australia, uh, where I am now, of course. So really, um, Fred has been such a contributor to faith in Australia that whether you're in Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth, he's well known and has been out there, uh, of course, 
singing the praises and trying to spread the word in the public arena. And of course, uh, you know, if we talk politics internationally right now and lots of eyes on the US presidential race uh, where you've got Donald Trump, who's, I think, 74. I think you've got uh, Joe Biden, who's 78. Here you've got Fred Nile, who's still uh, going strong, age 86 uh, yep. in uh, the upper house in the New South Wales Parliament. Uh, what a tremendous uh, road that has been that he has run. And, of course, uh, retirement plans. Uh, what are your thoughts on his retirement plans? Well, interestingly, uh, I, I was speaking to Fred. I actually had him for lunch, my wife and I, and, and we honoured him with, uh, with, with uh, his presence, you know, uh, with his uh, presence. And what happened was he said to me, I said, Fred, when are you going to retire? Well, he t- said to me that... Uh, uh, he, he said, my retirement plans are in God's hands. When he says, go, Fred, then Fred will go. So he's going to be there for another two more years. I think the next uh, upper house will be in 2022. Um, he was born in 1934, and in particular, interestingly, the calendar in, uh, will replicate itself in 2029. So it will be the same calendar as it was in 1934, and if Fred should be still around, he'll be 95 years old. So God willing, we'll have him still here. But really, Neil, doesn't matter what side of the political fence you're on, Fred has been a real contributor to faith here in Australia. Well, great update as always. Uh, special honour to you too. And, uh, you know, as you honour someone who was a founder of the organisation that you now represent, that's pretty mm. significant. And that's a long time ago uh, for listeners who wonder, you know, the history of Family Voice Australia. No doubt there's something on your website that can give uh, yep. listeners some details. So let me point people to familyvoice.org.au. Greg Bondar is the State Director of the New South Wales and ACT uh, for the Family Voice Australia. Greg, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. Thank you, Neil, and I'm blessed to be on the program. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.